Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Right now, though, Kathy Kennedy is uh, joining us from her home studio. Do you have a studio, Kathy, or you're just in your office, or where are you? <laughs> I'm at the dining room table. <laughs> and that's the office for a lot of people And that's these days. the office for a while. It, it gives uh, room for the cat to go walk around and, and be part of the conversation, apparently. <laughs> there you go. What is your cat's name? Cat's name is Marbles, and uh, you know, for for those who have heard me talk about cats before, I had a cat uh, pass away on me a year ago, and it just sucked the life right out of me. I never would have thought yeah. that you know losing a pet could be that tough because I've never gone through that, and and I yeah. swore that I was never going to get another animal, and then uh, five months after uh, Calum the cat died, um, I ended up um, inheriting. Uh, another cat and her name is marbles and and i you know i i tried not to like her i really did because i don't i don't want to go through this again (laughs) but (laughs) she's winning me over i have to say you know you're right about uh pets and when they do pass i've got a picture on my desk here at the home studio of pita right and pita pita and hershey i still have hershey um, although I don't think Hershey's enjoying me being around so much. I think she, she likes the fact that I, you know, would disappear for 10 hours a day and, and then, uh, come back. But I've got a picture of Peta on my desk here and you're right. They, uh, they get in your heart and they stay there forever. And when we lose them, it's, it really is like losing a member of the family. So I understand oh. completely. You, you are here, uh, today on my show. Thanks for doing that, by the way, because you're mm-hmm. going to be filling in for me tomorrow. And again, on Monday, I'm going to take a, four-day weekend i jokingly said to jackie this morning uh, getting ready for the show i said well what do you want to do i got four days off you want to go to grand forks do some shopping you want to go to the cottage you want to go do some retail therapy and then she kind of looks at me and goes yeah i think we're staying home so i'm staying home i got to burn off some days so i appreciate you uh you working for me tomorrow and again on monday um couple of you had one good idea tell me about weird cleaning finds what did you you found a a DVD or a CD or something? Well, yeah, you know, because I think a lot of us are spending time, uh, you know, cleaning out closets and drawers and and because yep. uh, what what else are you going to do, really? Right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it started in the closet, you know, got going in the clothes pile. I've got three piles, Hal. One is, uh, what were you thinking? Uh, the second <laughs> pile is, what are you thinking? That <laughs> 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 you're really going to fit into those again? Right. <laughs> and, and then the third pile of maybe there's hope hope. But um, <laughs> when I was uh, going through a drawer, I, I found all these DVDs. And mm. one of them I had never watched before, and it's called Winnipeg Babysitter. And I don't know where I got this. I think Natalie Pollock may have dropped this off. So uh, many years ago. <laughs> uh, so I decided Saturday night I would watch this thing. And <laughs> oh boy, if, if you have a chance Ladies and gentlemen, if somehow through the internet or some way, if you can dig up Winnipeg Babysitter, this is, a, as they say, an incomplete local history of the 1970s and 80s public access television in Winnipeg. Um, boy, oh boy, uh, there are some gems on here without a doubt. Well, and Natalie Pollock had a very popular uh, uh, cable access show with her brother <laughs> for many, many yes. years. And they are featured on this DVD. And in fact, one thing that had me in absolute tears 
was they had the golden boy, Donnie Lalonde, as a guest uh, on one of their programs, and they were trying to get him to sing and dance. And honestly, <laughs> seriously, if you need some comedic relief, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a beauty. So okay. uh, Winnipeg well, babysitter. When- when you're done with it, uh, we got to figure out how to get it to me because now I want to watch that because I, I've, oh, yeah. we've we've signed up for a couple of streaming services like we we got Amazon Prime because you can now watch Global News twenty four seven on Amazon Prime. That's not why we got it, but that's kind of cool. And so we we I was reading a story today, and we're going to talk more about this with Carolyn Classen after the news at two thirty. The average person right now is streaming eight hours a day are you stream are you got any streaming services or what are you streaming i mean i understand you're probably going to watch winnipeg babysitter again um but are (laughs) you streaming anything are you binging anything or no what you know what sadly i'm binging the news um Mm. and and that isn't really a good thing to do i need to get out of that cycle because i've been watching it way too much uh, yeah. and, it, and it can really get in your head. So I need to have some laughs. And, and I started with this DVD on Saturday night. And I found a whole bunch of other DVDs that uh, I think I'm going to hit up and, and start watching on the weekend. But, uh, yeah, I need, to, uh, I need to get away from the news for a while. <laughs> yeah. Typical radio person, right? Only people in radio have boxes and boxes of DVDs, CDs, all the swag we've been given over the T-shirts that didn't fit, that you never would have wore, that were for some event or, you know, I mean, it's funny because, yeah, we're all all dealing with that stuff in this business. Are you on Zoom? Go ahead. Finish your your thought. I was was just going to say, speaking of which, I found uh, a bag of old radio clothes and it also Mm. led me to a box of old radio pictures. And I have pictures... (laughs) Of you and I, oh uh, oh yes, 25 plus years ago, uh, wearing pig noses and aprons at some celebrity (laughs) cook-off. Oh, I remember that. That was a, that was a, yes, it was like a rib uh, uh, cooking contest or something. Something like that. I don't yeah. know. I think it was at the Downs, maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah. But that would have been uh, the yeah, early, there... that would have been the early 90s. So, okay. yeah, like th- this, uh, I just celebrated 30 years. That's almost 30 years ago, Kathy. Joining us live right now, Dave Carlson, the Reeve of Emerson Franklin. Dave, how are you? I'm doing well, Hal. How are you doing? Excellent. Thanks a lot for coming on today. Um, I, just a couple things were on my mind that I, I wrote down, uh, you know, Emerson border. Let's, let's talk to these people because I know that they've shut down some border crossings, uh, right across the country. I think I read half a dozen here in the province of Manitoba. What do you know about that? How many, uh, in your area have been closed? Well, the two that are in our municipality, Emerson and Tolstoy, have not been have not been uh, closed or have any reduced. Well, I mean, they're closed to regular traffic, just not commercial traffic. Uh, I know the hours have been uh, cut back significantly at uh, in neighboring municipalities, their border crossings, like Gretna, for example. Uh, but so far, uh, we're okay with our two crossings. Emerson's and- 24 hours, and it's a major crossing, so it hasn't changed. Right, and and with the reduced hours, like, and and with this pandemic in general, 
How is um, how are your uh, people being impacted? Because I know it's common for people on both sides of the border to cross. Often, some work. I mean, many probably aren't working right now, but some might be. Where you cross over into the U.S., come back to Canada, or vice versa. How is this situation that we find ourselves in affecting you down there? Well, I mean, it's it's partially. If you look at it one one way, it's quality of life. A lot of people do uh, take advantage of uh, crossing the border right there, uh, whether it's for a bit of shopping or recreation and things like that. We even have mutual aid agreements uh, with our emergency services, so that affects things. But uh, economically, I mean, we have the Emerson Duty Free, which is a big employer uh, in our area, and they're definitely affected. They're only open to commercial traffic, and. Um, we do have another transport company in Emerson as well that's uh, been affected, and and just people's jobs in general. Like uh, we have a gas station there as well, and I mean, you know, people aren't as working as much. I, I haven't heard the exact impact on uh, the customs officers. Like we do have some that live in our in our community, so I haven't heard exactly if they've been impacted yet, but it's it's definitely possible. And uh, you've also got floodwaters making their way north. And uh, what sort of uh, impact are you seeing at this point, and what are you expecting? Yeah, we sure do. Uh, we're looking at uh, last year's uh, flood plus an extra foot, but it's almost looking more like two feet and a bit. I just toured around with my public works manager this morning, and we were looking at uh, different roads that uh, we've had to close in the Emerson area, uh, roads that are closer to the river. Uh, and some that didn't go under last year that we're looking at saying, hey, these are going to go under. So some road closures, uh, we're keeping a close eye on it. Uh, we have a couple people cut off. Uh, they will boat in and out. Uh, they're pretty close close to the road, but uh, we're monitoring it pretty closely, and uh, we may even see the, uh, the CP and the CN rail lines closed at some point. Uh, not for sure, though. Uh, they haven't closed yet, so we'll see what they do. So, but but mostly overland flooding and across some roads that that might uh, cause people to have to bow in and out to their their homestead, I guess. Eh? Yeah, yeah. As long as they're able-bodied, uh, working with our municipal emergency coordinator on this, uh, we check on everybody and make sure everyone's okay. Uh, but yeah, the overland flooding is is an issue for our farmers. Uh, I mean, they lose uh, some roads. We get some road washouts and things like that. So. And it's going to be the debris that gets into the fields and into the and into the drainage areas uh, that once the waters recede, it leaves all this debris and it has to be cleaned up. And it'll get our farmers onto the fields a little late this year in certain spots. And uh, it's just unfortunate. I mean, the economy's taking a beating as it is. You just don't need a flood on top of it. Yeah, and you mentioned seeding, and that was sort of my other question, too, that when you have water on a lot of farmland, at the very least, it delays seeding and the whole uh, crop process. Oh, absolutely. Just getting access into the fields. Like if you have a road washout that the that a farmer may use to access his field, like he's not getting in there. And then on top of that, the debris has to be cleaned out first because it leaves like a thatch on the field that uh, holds the moisture in. So it's really not ideal at all. So last year we had about 50 miles of debris cleanup that our municipality did as well as uh, we had to hire some contractors because there was just so much of it. And, uh, yeah, it's definitely an issue uh, in, in different areas, and that's good farmland. That's uh, high-producing farmland. So our hopes are that uh, the water gets out of here quickly as possible and, and we can get back to business. Dave, I appreciate you coming on for a few minutes. Thanks a lot. No problem, Al. You take care. Thanks a lot for the call. 
You as well. Stay safe. All the best. That is Dave Carlson, the Reeve of Emerson Franklin, joining us here on CJOB. We're here right after the 2.30 news, and so uh, even though it's a pandemic and everybody's, uh, you know, self-isolating and physically distancing, uh, it doesn't mean we can't have Carolyn Klassen on from Connexus Counseling as she joins us uh, now on the phone. Carolyn, good afternoon. Hey, Hal, how are you doing? Excellent. ConnexusCounseling.ca, ConnexusCounseling.ca, by the way. Uh, is Carolyn's website. I want to start with, uh, we've got a bunch of stuff to talk about today, but I want to start with our premier today. Uh, mm. He held a news conference to announce uh, a program, an online program for people dealing with anxiety and stress uh, during this pandemic, and he got emotional at the news conference as he read a, a meme or a message. I, he found it, uh, I guess, it's from the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. And he read it, and then he got emotional. I want you to listen to this, Carolyn, and everybody else if you missed it, and then we'll talk about this, okay? Because I think a lot of us are feeling the way our premier uh, was feeling earlier on today. Take a listen. As we continue to wake up apart, drink our coffee apart, work apart, care for our families apart, try to stay active apart, walk our dogs apart, teach our grandparents how to video chat apart, watch reruns of our favorite shows apart, forget what day it is apart, miss our friends apart, worry about our health and our jobs and our loved ones apart, stress about our finances apart, wonder if things will ever go back to normal apart, laugh apart, cry apart, and be apart. It is important to know that you aren't in this alone. So, remember, together we can beat this thing. Premier Brian Pallister earlier today. Um, you know, Carolyn, listen, you know I'm a suck. I get emotional all the time. I got emotional on the show earlier today playing back one of Hal's house calls with Barbara, a 75-year-old woman who's been fostering kids for 25 years, her and her husband. She's got three little ones at home now. She's homeschooling them cooks a home-cooked meal every night for for seven people and I was just so in awe of what she is doing and the premier got emotional I I get emotional Uh, we're all going through things right now he's the leader of the province dealing with all kinds of you know trying to and he talked after to a reporter reporter asked him a question about getting emotional and he says yeah I'm I'm responsible for Manitobans I have to help get everybody through this i i don't know i wanted to start with that carolyn because um uh, and i'm curious to hear what you have to say about our premier getting emotional well i think it was such a profoundly human moment um and as he was reading how we are now living our lives apart together it was it was i i was moved as i listened to that and watched him struggle through there and there's this real sense that i got that um often we think of our leaders as sort of impenetrable and bulletproof and fearless as they lead us and i think our leaders are all of that and they are also human and they are also feeling the vulnerability and the uncertainty and there's times in leadership now when the virus doesn't give you any good options you're picking the least worst options you're picking 
you're you're navigating a path where no matter what you do, it's going to cost a lot. You just have to figure out how to have it cost the least amount. And and I just I could really hear the weight of it, and it had me just be flooded for compassion, not only for the premier, but for the people that are in leadership in healthcare and in all sorts of levels of politics. This is not an easy time, and I think we have to recognize that although they are leading us really well, they also have moments where they are it and all of us as people that want to be there for others um, there are times when we don't have something to give or when we feel the cost of it and so I think everybody that it, we are leaning on there are times when they are going to lean on others and and that's okay that's really important to recognize that it is humans that are recognizing how hard this is that it, humans that are leading us through humans that are doing really well with it and also humans that therefore bear the burden of that responsibility and that that is a form of suffering for them you know it's funny uh, premier pallister can be a very tough leader um but yet he has that soft emotional side right he's able to show empathy like that it's funny well, how think, sometimes the, the toughest shells are the softest inside. You know what I mean? Oh, I think um, very often um, that's certainly something that I've seen in my work is that people that are very proficient and efficient and competent, there are tender sides to them. And I think what um, I recognized as he was talking, because just before that he had talked about how he gets some of this struggle at a personal level because he has he grew up with stories about how his father had to be isolated because of his father's polio right. and how he would have grown up with stories about the struggle of that and, and it's in his bones and there's ways in which now he goes through this struggle remembering how it, how his grandmother would have talked about the struggle of not being able of seeing your child not be able to walk and have to learn how to walk again and how that affected his grandmother and so he none of us come into this as sort of purely you know com- completely people without burdens or a track record of struggle or suffering we all carry our own suffering and the suffering of our parents and grandparents into this current struggle and that impacts how we deal with that and not all of these in bad ways it it increases the compassion and the empathy we have for others because we understand that struggle not just in our head but in our bones we feel it and that makes us kinder caring human beings through this time of difficulty you know, I can't help, and I guess maybe it's because I'm I'm a nut about politics. I like politics. Um, I often watch these leaders, whether it's Justin Trudeau or Brian Pallister here in Manitoba or Donald Trump in the U.S., I watch them all and I think, hmm, I wonder what's going on in their mind. Are they thankful that they have that job dealing with this pandemic these incredibly challenge uh, these incredible challenges right now are they going yeah here i go i'm ready for it or are they going oh why am i having to deal with all this you know i i just yeah. i wonder at a personal level what they think i do too um because and i think i think it's probably both and right like people who are leaders they there's something about rising to a challenge and being in the midst of a struggle where you have to really show up and do hard things that there's a lot of people that flourish under that but the flip side of that is that this is hard and there there there's no 
even the people that are doing the very best they can for us are still, you know, as you make choices about keeping us healthy and self-isolating, there's economic impacts and um, that you're having people who are lonely become even lonelier, right? That you recognize that there's real world costs to every good decision that you're making. And and these people are humans. It wears on them. That that takes a toll to be making to be responsible for those decisions. And so I think as we're asking and, and we're seeking, we're asking hard questions because it's important to ask hard questions. Um, that's what journalists do is ask hard questions during those press conferences after. But to recognize that sometimes we're asking questions that don't have answers and we're expecting them to give us certainty when there is none. And that's not easy on our leaders. By the way, I just wanted to mention quickly here that uh, today is Stress Awareness Day. Check. Yes, I am stressed and I'm aware of it. And I am aware of it. All right, moving right along. I know you want to talk about trauma. I want to save that for our second segment here because I want to give that lots of time. But just a couple of fun things I saw, and I'll just get you to weigh in quickly on a few things here. Um, I talked about this yesterday. There is a new uh, new term called doom scrolling. This is when you stay up late at night, go online, and read all the bad news around the pandemic. Doom scrolling. Talk a little bit about how much is too much information in this. So, um, and I heard uh, Kathy Kennedy talk a little bit about this as well, right, um, in your last half hour where yeah. as you watch too much news, it's we want to be people that are well-informed and people that know enough that we are able to understand what's going on and able to um it makes sense in our brains why we have to undergo this fairly strict self-isolation. Um, we have to understand the context for it in order for us to be able to continue to do it. Um, otherwise, we would just sort of break down and start breaking rules in ways that are not okay. And so being informed is important. But traumatizing our brains with material over and over and over and over again gets us into a spin where we're stressing our brains constantly. And when you're stressing your brains constantly, that is a form of trauma, and I'm sorry you said next segment, but, you know, flight, fright, or freeze. And so people can sometimes freeze, and they just are listening to it on replay from one network to another, one radio station to another, listening to it over and over again. And that's really hard on a person's brain. If you're doing it, doing it in the evening, it doesn't set you up for a good sleep. And to me, it kind of reminds me, you know, like when you have Chinese food and it's really, really good, and you have a second helping, and you know you probably shouldn't, but you do anyways – and at the end of it, you think, oh, that was not a good idea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I think sometimes some of that news, we have to sort of recognize it's not, even though it feels compelling and we feel drawn into it, at the other end of it, it's not going to feel good. And so it's an act of self-compassion to say, I'm going to set my timer, and when that timer goes off, I'm going to turn it off. Or yeah. I'm going to uh, ask my spouse to remind me to turn the television off or turn the radio off at a certain time because even though I will want to keep listening to it, it's not good for me. We need to turn it off. Some of that yeah. stuff, it just it's not a good space. Well, and I, I'm a political nut. I'm a news nut, too. And when I get off the air, usually I make my house, house, house calls. I do a few things, and then I go watch the Donald Trump news conference. And uh, Jackie, uh, there's one word that Jackie says, and I know that is time to put something lighter on TV or, or do something else. She just looks at me and goes, enough. So, yes, you're <laughs> right. Sometimes we need to rely on that other person in our life to say, enough. Um, and what we I are not... is that she feels go ahead. safe she feels safe and has the wisdom to be able to tell you that and you who hear that. And I think that some of those code words between people are really, really yeah. important. 
Hal Anderson Afternoons. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.